0: Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. It's great seeing you today, and those of you who join us uh, online, we're thankful for your presence, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can email us, go to the church website, uh, send a text, just let us know how we can pray for you and and anything that we can do to help minister to your family, so we hope to hear from you. How many of y'all get a phone call about once a day about this company that's so concerned about your car and they want to extend a warranty to you You get about like once a day. I knew we should not have sold the church directory to that company, but, uh, <laughs> no, nah, we didn't do that. We, we, we don't ever do that. But I'm telling you what I am on their list. Like I'm sure a lot of you. And if, if I'm driving and I've got a lot of time on my hands, I'll, I have to confess, I have a little fun with them. Um, but you know, just to entertain myself. And, um, but, uh, I'm telling you what, we get all these unwanted unsolicited phone calls and they have discovered our cell phones. Now it doesn't matter if you've gotten rid of your landlines. They, they have found our cell phones, but anyway, that drives me crazy and I know it does you too. So, uh, and you know, and because of the work I do, uh, I tend to answer every phone call just simply because it might be somebody, I just don't have their number in my phone and, and, uh, there might be an issue and sometimes it is, but, uh, I I have learned to hang up very quickly, but if I, if you call me and you sound like a recording and I hang up on you real quick, uh, I apologize, (laughs) and I'm sorry that that happened. But uh, anyway, we are starting a series today. I'm excited about it. Uh, We're doing this in our life groups. We're doing it in the youth area and the children's area, and we're doing it here on Sunday morning for the next four weeks, and we're talking about loving like that, how to love like that. And today, we're talking about how to be mindful of others. And and there are a couple of questions we're going to ask ourselves uh, and, and we're going to deal with a story most of you grew up hearing about, little Zacchaeus. And, and so I want to read the event out of Luke chapter 19 and just read the story to you. And then we're just going to break it down, talk about it, and see what we can learn from this. Uh, because there's some things that we need to see. And I want you to be asking yourself as we talk through this today. So the story begins in verse 1 of Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Now, he, he was with a large crowd of people. They were heading to Jerusalem for the Passover. Um, and, and so there's words really traveling about him. It said, and th- there was a man na- there named Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector in the region. So, beyond Jericho, I mean, this was a major commercial area. So, man, being the tax collector there was a very lucrative opportunity. And he had become very rich, and a lot of it by taking advantage of his position. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So, he ran ahead. And climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Oh, that'll get your attention. He's never met Zacchaeus before, but he certainly knew who Zacchaeus was, because he was Jesus, Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be in a guest in your home today. This this is the first time ever in scripture and the only time that Jesus invited himself to someone's home. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and great joy. But the people were displeased, kind of rightly so. He has gone to, the get, to be the guest of a notorious sinner. I mean, everybody knew Zacchaeus and everybody hated Zacchaeus because he had taken money away from them that he shouldn't have. He taxed them beyond what they should have been taxed, and he got wealthy off of it. Now, we don't know all the um, conversation that happens during this time, And uh, I'm sure there was things that are not recorded, so we don't let the silence of Scripture tell us that something didn't happen. But somewhere in the conversation, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord after whatever they talked about, and I'm sure it was about life and about God and his relationship with God. Zacchaeus said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated, if I have cheated people, and he he had on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, a true Jew for the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. So now here's some of the things I want you to think about as we walk through this. One, Jesus sees what you and I don't see. I mean, when people looked at Zacchaeus, all they had was despise. They despised him. They had bitter hatred towards him because he cheated them. And there was nothing they could do about it. Secondly, Jesus... Knows you personally. I mean, he knew Zacchaeus. He knew him before the foundation of the earth. He knew all about Zacchaeus. He knew what he did. He knew all of his sins. And he still wanted to be with him. Just like Jesus knows you. He knows you by name. He knew you before the foundation of the earth. And he chose to still die for you. See, he's he's loving on Zacchaeus because he's about to die for him. And for you, he has already died for you. And then the last thing that I want us to be challenged with is that Jesus wants you and me to start looking at people through his eyes, which is very different than my eyes and your eyes. Now, This is the second person in the Jericho area that had come to Jesus in this very short period of time. Just prior to this passage in chapter 18, there was a blind man. Jesus was walking, approaching Jericho. He was in the region. And there was a crowd with Jesus that was traveling with him. And there was a blind beggar who was sitting by the side of the road. And and that was a good place to be because this was a great commercial area. People were always coming and going. They were coming to sell their products and to buy or to buy products and take back to their home turf. And so a lot of strangers in town, that were always passing through. That was a good location for this blind beggar to ask for help and people would help him and help make sure he was fed, but they didn't really want to have anything to do with him. And so he Asked what's happening, what's all the crowd about? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. And so he started shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, everybody wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, not the blind beggar man. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. So they started to shush him and told him to shut up, be quiet, we don't want to hear you. Uh, We hear you all day long begging for food. We want to hear what Jesus has to say. But he even got louder and, and started begging out, crying out to Jesus. And so Jesus heard him and had them to bring him to him. And what seemed like an obvious answer, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? Well, obviously, he wanted to see, but Jesus still asked him the question. You see, often Jesus is waiting for you to ask the obvious of him. You never ask, so you don't receive according to why some of our prayers are not answered. You've not had your prayers answered because you never asked them. And so Jesus asked him, what can I do for you? And he said, well, I want to see. And Jesus said, well, I'll do that for you. And it's your faith that has restored your eyesight. Now, the reason word had already started traveling about Jesus, Bethany was just 15 miles down the road. And just recently, maybe even the week before, we don't know exactly when, but very recently, there was a huge miracle that took place. This man named Lazarus, a wealthy guy who had died and been in his tomb for four days. Jesus came along and called him out of that tomb and he was raised from the dead. Word traveled quickly. To Jericho, People are always traveling to and from Jericho and I'm sure word got there very quickly about this man named Jesus and the raising of Lazarus. And so as word got around that Jesus was traveling through the area heading to Jerusalem to go to the Passover, the crowd would just get bigger and bigger and bigger traveling with him. They want to see what he's going to do. They want to hear what he's going to say. And so he stops and he heals this blind beggar man. But there's another salvation that's about to happen. You see, Zacchaeus, like the blind man, he was considered outside the normal Jewish system because of his activities as a Roman tax collector. And Zacchaeus responded to Jesus' message In precisely the opposite way that another event that happened just prior to the beggar blind man being healed, Jesus encountered a rich young ruler who came to Jesus talking about the kingdom, and Jesus said, "Well, here's how you go to the you get into heaven." And he started going through the commandments and this proud rich guy said I've kept all those things from my youth you you must not have heard about me I've, I've got it all together I've got it all together and to him Jesus said well there's one thing you need to do that you haven't done why don't you go give away all your wealth and then follow me and the rich guy sadly turned and walked away because he was very rich. So very differently now, Zacchaeus, a wealthy man, great wealth. And Jesus didn't ask of him to give anything away. He freely did it. He chose to do it. And it was the fruit Of his salvation that brought him to do that it was not the reason for his salvation it didn't give him salvation it was a result of his salvation you see the way the tax system worked back then they would find the Jewish people that would willing to be used by Rome and uh because the romans weren't going to dirty their hands to collect the taxes and they would have jews who would know everybody and and, and so zacchaeus was actually head of a whole district so he had a it's almost like a pyramid scheme you know he he probably had to uh <clears throat> wager himself and be given a region and maybe had to bribe some official to be given a region to be in charge of the tax collection. And Rome required a certain amount from certain regions based on what they thought they could give. But a tax collector could collect all that he would want and keep the remainder. As long as he turned in the amount that Rome wanted, he could keep anything above that. That's how he made his money. And so he knew everybody, and he knew what they could afford. And so he would tax them way beyond what Rome required. And people knew that. People knew that he was lining his own pockets. And so then he was a district guy, and he would hire people to handle the side roads as people, people were usually taxed as they were coming and going from the city. They would be taxed on the property of of the things that they had, the merchandise that they were carrying, the way they dressed, the way they looked, they would kind of set a tax. It was very arbitrary. As long as they met the goal necessary for that area, it didn't matter who they got it from. And so he would make sure nobody could sneak into town by a side route and they would position tax collectors all over the place and and so then Zacchaeus would get a cut of that so he was a very wealthy guy I mean he could probably he probably lived in one of the biggest houses and you know and It didn't take him any time at all to trade in his one-hump camel for a two-hump camel and and probably had a huge herd of camels. Even today in Israel, a person is known by their wealth based on how many camels they have in certain regions. So you're despised by your own people because you're stealing from them legally and there's not a thing they can do about it. Because usually there's some Roman soldiers around to protect the tax money. And so when Jesus called on him, he responded with great enthusiasm. Because I, I believe what was happening in Zacchaeus was there was a great emptiness in him. He knew something was wrong. He knew that he was not living correctly. He knew it was just not satisfying Just like the rich ruler knew that there was something more, but when he found out what it was for him, it was too much. This commentary, this account on Jesus' words, that with God all things are possible. You see, when the rich ruler turned and walked away from Jesus, Jesus made a statement that it was difficult for a wealthy person to be saved. And now here with Zacchaeus, he was showing that with God, all things are possible. Here's how God wants you to start seeing things the way he sees things. You you may give up on somebody and say, there's no way they're going to get saved. There's no way they can change. But when you start looking at people through God's eyes, through the eyes of Jesus, you start to realize with God, all things are possible. There's some of you who can give testimony that are sitting in this room that you remember the days when nobody thought that you would change. You probably, there are probably many of you, some that I know of personally, there was a time when everyone gave up on you. But Jesus did not So Zacchaeus occurred for himself great wealth and it was empty. It was empty. Now this this is the only place in scripture when Jesus invited himself into a person's home. Zacchaeus found that his wealth was unsatisfying. Jesus already knew Zacchaeus' name, just like he already knows your name. And the people were rightly so offended. Jesus, does he not understand who this guy is? Does he not understand how despised he was? But Jesus had already said, I came for the sick, not the healthy ones. I've come from those who desperately need salvation." So this is absolutely more than Zacchaeus had hoped for. He was only wanting to get a glimpse of Jesus, hoping that that would do something. And now he finds out that the Messiah knows him by name and wants to come to his house. And he was overjoyed. In fact, this word gladly, which literally means great excitement or joy, is used several times, nine times in Luke, that always is a, it's an attitude of joy that accompanies faith with salvation. And, and so Zacchaeus, it's like he already had an anticipation of what was about to happen. He, he knew, I think he knew that when Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, get ready, let's go there right now. I think he knew that he was about to find what was missing. That he was about to experience what he was longing for. That he was about to experience something that he's been desperately seeking. And so Zacchaeus, after whatever conversation he had with Jesus, stood up and voluntarily announced that he would give half what he owed to the poor. I always wondered if that poor blind guy who had been healed made it to that party. And he also said, and I will pay fourfold back to those that were wronged. What's interesting is that the law required that if you stole from somebody, uh, you would pay him back, and, and, and you would pay him back above that but it was far less than what Zacchaeus, you know, he basically was said, I, I'm going to pay them back. If I've overtaxed them, I'm going to pay them back what I taxed them plus interest. And the interest was far beyond what the law required. You, you see, this was the fruit, not the condition of his salvation. He wasn't saved because he did that. It was a result of him, of him being saved. Zacchaeus judged his own crime severely. He acknowledged that he was guilty. He acknowledged that he was a robber, a thief. And since much of his wealth probably had been acquired fraudulently, this was a costly commitment. But my guess is he was more than compensated by the wealth of his salvation. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Are you willing to join Jesus on that quest? Can you relate to Zacchaeus? Maybe you feel like you don't deserve A second chance, a tenth chance, a hundredth chance. You see, Jesus sees what you and I do not see, including your life. He sees things in you, maybe you're blinding yourself to, and you choose to ignore. He sees it, and He loves you anyway. Jesus knows you personally. And yet he still loves you. Now, isn't that the best friend you could have? I mean, I I have those few friends that know everything about me and they still like me. Now, those are dear friends. They know my junk, they know my shortcomings, and they still want to be a friend. Jesus knows everything there is to know about you and he still loves you. You see, when he was with Zacchaeus, Already, I think he was thinking about the Passover and he was going to Jerusalem and that after that he was going to die for Zacchaeus' sins. And for you and me, he knows us by name and he has already died for our sins. But lastly, Jesus wants me to see others through his eyes. He wants, to see, he wants you to see the people that you have written off, but he has not. The people that you think are impossible to be saved. You see, the reality is, when I look at people through my eyes and I make assessments about them, I'm actually, and if I come to the conclusion there's no way they can change, there's no way they can be saved, they're too far gone, they're too far away, I'm actually saying more about Jesus than I am about them. I'm actually saying with my attitude, Jesus can't do this one. Jesus can't change this one. The Holy Spirit cannot draw this one. There's no hope for this one. am I really smarter than Jesus? <laughs> I know I'm not. So why, why do I think I know better than him? So I need to start looking at the most desperate people around me and say, Jesus not, has not written this one off and neither shall I. And Jesus has not given up and neither will I. And I'm gonna continue to love and try and reach out and make an effort because Jesus is still doing that as well. Yes, the Bible says there's a time that comes with man's, the Holy Spirit no longer strives with man, but you don't know when that is. And you're to live as if every single time God is still working on someone. And what a privilege it is to say to God, let me be a part of reaching people that I think are unreachable. Because God, you can do it. You can do it. Let's pray.